the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We have begun our journey to the Nativity of our Lord. It's shown up here and there in the hymnody of the church last night in Vespers. Multiple hymns were sung in preparation for the great feast of the birth of our Lord. And we have throughout this time a great many saints to look to, to remember, to emulate. We have just a few days ago St. Andrew, the first called, the brother St. Peter, and we have a blessing for us, especially here in this year of 2020, that we have back-to-back Sundays with such great saints as St. Nicholas, who we have in the Center Analogion, And then next Sunday, we have a commemoration for St. Herman of Alaska. St. Nicholas, of course, is readily associated with this season. Uh, Jolly old St. Nick. But the vision of St. Nicholas that we encounter in his life, we can see how it um, supports the popular version of Santa Claus. But I want us to delve a little bit deeper into St. Nicholas and who he is and what it means for him to be a righteous man. Throughout uh, the commemorations of the saints of the vigil service the night before, the Vespers, there is in the Vespers portion Old Testament readings assigned, especially to saints of this rank, as it were. St. Nicholas and St. Herman both have readings assigned to them from the wisdom of Solomon. Now, when you hear wisdom of Solomon, you may think, oh, I know that book. That's the book of Proverbs. Well, I'm sorry, but actually that's not the book of Proverbs. Oh, maybe that's the uh, Song of Songs. No, it's not the Song of Songs. The wisdom of Solomon uh, is actually a book that's contained within the Orthodox Bible that if you were to go and pick up um, at the local guess you can even pick it up at the local grocery store. But if you were to go to a local Christian bookstore and to pick up a, new, a, a Bible, more often than not, unless you knew what you were looking for, you would not find the wisdom of Solomon in that Bible. Why? The Bible of the Protestants uh, was pared down um, because of a whole host of reasons, and I don't want to get into all the host of reasons. But the Wisdom of Solomon is one of those books, if you have not read it, if you've read Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or even Job, as considered Job a part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, uh, you need to complete your reading of Scripture with the addition of the Wisdom of Solomon. For a lot of the readings that we reserve for the saints of the church come from the Wisdom of Solomon. So let me boil down... What is the wisdom of Solomon? What is this book about? The vast majority of the book is about the righteous man and the wicked man. The righteous man who suffers for the truth. The righteous man who has believed God and who seeks him no matter what comes his way. That he will choose the narrow and tough path. And then there is the wicked man. 
And usually it's not just a wicked man. It is usually an assembly of the wicked. You might hear echoes of this from the book of Proverbs. And the wicked man is the one who looks at the righteous man and scoffs and says, why is he living like that? What has got into his head? He thinks that there's something after all of this. He thinks that there's meaning in life. He thinks that he, in uh, keeping uh, himself disciplined away from certain things, not enjoying life to its fullest, he's kind of, you know, dour and not really doing all the things that life has offered to him. This is the taunt. This is the criticism from the wicked men as they scoff, scorn, and laugh at the righteous man. We uh, today, in our day and era, are probably feel more akin to the wicked man. And what do I mean by that? We are surrounded by, uh, throughout our media, even in our literature, going back even decades, maybe even centuries now, the elevation not of the righteous man or the holy man or woman, but of the anti-hero. Can you name a television show or a series or a movie where you have an upright and righteous man or woman? If you can, you probably won't get past one hand. Right? I can think of maybe Foil and Foil's War, if you're familiar with that British <laughs> show. And then I pretty much grind to a halt. Monk? Oh, well, then Monk is also, he is actually the actor, is Orthodox too, but. <laughs> Any others? We're surrounded by our heroes are typically ones, maybe they're in search for justice. There's something usually redeeming quality, otherwise we wouldn't really be able to relate to them. We wouldn't like them very much, right? But there's always usually gigantic flaws, chasms in their life, addictions, uh, flings here and there, uh, etc. They struggle with meaninglessness. Death is the end of all things. And they usually, in their pursuit of whatever the good there is, they're completely rampant in their carnality. They're just, they're going to eat, sleep, do whatever they need to do in order to enjoy life because life is fleeting and there's nothing beyond that. There's a verse from the reading for St. Nicholas that I think captures our struggle in this time. The wisdom of Solomon chapter 4 and verse 12, for the fascination of wickedness obscures what is good and roving desire perverts the innocent mind. The fascination of wickedness. We are fascinated by the wicked. We are fascinated as a culture and that throughout the world with what is uh, transgressive. Uh, it's almost to a point of kind of a farce of how fascinated we are with transgression. Because once you get to a certain point of the transgression, then you have to transgress the transgression. And maybe the real rebellion, as I've even seen, starting to come up in certain, bubbling up in certain youth, the real rebellion is to actually be um, righteous. <laughs> to actually reject 
the fascination of wickedness. But it's a real challenge for us. What do we spend our time and our inner imagination fascinated with? What do we allow to percolate in our minds and in our hearts? What do we spend our time and energy uh, being fascinated with? It obscures what is good by obvious We are fascinated. We are captured. We don't know what to do besides to follow. What exactly does this wickedness, and maybe how close can I get to this wickedness? The roving desire that perverts the innocent mind, it calls us to look inside of our hearts and ask, What do I honestly and deeply desire? What do I want? What does my attention rest on? Is it flitting from thing to thing? Maybe it's even in our spiritual lives. We have a desire. We want to follow Jesus Christ. And so maybe we read a little bit. Maybe we listen to a podcast or to a YouTube uh, preacher or something. Maybe a hymn. Maybe we randomly attended some services Maybe we say our prayers, but our attention, it seems to go in and out, in and out, in and out. Roving desire, desire not dedicated, not set, but roving about. St. Nicholas stands before us this morning as the righteous man, as a man who is fascinated with righteousness We hear in his life that he had a great zeal for the study of Scripture and for the traditions and writings of the fathers from an early age. And he studied them and applied himself to the study of Scriptures, to the attending of the services, to such that everyone in the community knew of his zeal for Scripture and for the services of the church. St. Nicholas was zealous for godliness in that in his life it tells us from an early age that he fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. St. Nicholas in his righteousness showed incredible zeal not just for scripture and study and for the maintaining of the fast of the church but in zeal for others that then paints the rest of his life. And this is where we can see Santa Claus, but in a truth as completely seen in a saint, not as the Coca-Cola commercials show us. That St. Nicholas from an early age, when he receives inheritance as he was from a rich family, gives it all away. That St. Nicholas, when he sees injustice, will go and take money in places and help people all around him. There's a reason why he is known as a protector saint, especially for sailors, because in his zeal for God, he expressed incredible zeal and love for others. His fascination with righteousness, his desire set solidly, not roving about, 
but solely and solidly on God. We have this season of preparation, a time for us to prepare our hearts to receive our Lord to be born within our own hearts. And we have St. Nicholas as an incredible example set before us, one zealous for God, fascinated with righteousness, desiring nothing but God, and in that desire being able to help all those around him. May God give us the opportunity to cleanse our hearts, to repent, to turn our fascination away from wickedness and our desire roving about for everything except God, that we may become like St. Nicholas and give honor, worship, and glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit.